Hey, this is your host, Jesse. Before the episode uh, begins, I would like to uh, talk about the passing of Ned uh, Beatty, who, uh, while recording this episode, he was currently still alive. And we talk about him a lot. He's wonderful. It's not anything bad. That I just wanted to say our sincerest condolences to his family. Um, a wonderful actor, lived to 83, long life, long career, just charming and everything. I just thought I'd put that out there. And also our, uh, our, our theme song composer would like to be credited as something else now. And it's going to be credited as we were crediting him at the end of every episode. But I want to just put it before the episode to get the credit right for this episode at least. And that was, uh, he would be referred to as Dead Eye. And Instagram is Dead Eye Productions. It's D E A D, all caps, dash I, all caps. And the Instagram is Dead Eye Productions, Dead and the letter I Productions. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd let you know at the beginning of this episode. And I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the Free Reeling It podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse, and with me is your other host. Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm kind of sick today, but uh, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna be I'm gonna be brave about it. Aren't we all kind of sick? Isn't that the the basis of human nature? Is we're all just sick inside? Well, I know the adults in this house are sick because we went into healthcare for better or for worse. So that's like confirmed diagnosis right there. <laughs> I just I just got sick some like we were supposed to, so but peek behind the curtain even though you still won't know what date this is exactly uh, we were supposed to record last week this episode and I got super sick and now we're recording this week and now Matt, uh, Matthew's sick but like not as sick as I, I was like butt sick which is not great Matthew's just like face sick which is at least recordable I mean why are you talking about my face like oh wait no you're mean I have a cold the cold, the cold. The cold. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think they're. I think they're real. I think what we we just uncovered, Jesse, is you have an unfathomable power to get me sick through the internet. Like, through the internet, just by talking on Discord, I got you <clears throat> sick. Yep, this is it. This is this is how it's all spread. Not true at all. Uh, so you feeling better though? I am feeling better. It's a weird thing where like I, I've got I get I've gotten this a stomach type bug thing before. It was mm-hmm. probably just the stomach flu, like a twenty four hour stomach flu thing. Yeah. Um, but it's never had such a lasting effect on my body. <laughs> Didn't it? Which I have to realize. I remember I'm twenty seven now. I'm not like twenty six, twenty five, twenty four. Like every year I got it before. Just rubbing it in. Just rubbing it. No, I'm I'm, I'm I'm just saying my body's also getting older, <laughs> so I have to realize the after effects of getting sick might stick around a bit longer. Because uh, uh, Friday I was feeling much better, and then Saturday I was like, "Well, I feel great. I'm gonna do D and D with my friends." We ate junk because that's what you do when you play D and D. And that night I'm like, "Ah, oh, I feel like I'm sick again." <laughs> yeah and that lasted for another two days it wasn't like full sick but it was like stomach was just not happy with me 
Yeah, the D&D Isis or Osis or Itis, whatever. Um, no, uh, well, speaking as someone who uh, has like digestive issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the stomach stuff hit, well, actually both my wife and I both have digestive issues. And when the stomach stuff happens, it knocks us both for a loop. So whenever someone says stomach flu, I have nothing but sympathy for you. Like yeah. it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess my um my dad has a history of just like stomach problems. Like he's dealing with some stomach stuff right currently. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, maybe I should be more careful. Like I I should have to remember like he he had a hole in his colon. Like <laughs> like stuff like that's gonna could translate to me at some point. Um, Weirdly enough, and I'm not like trying to cut off this conversation it's interesting how this sort of relates to the movie we're about to talk about no i mean it kind of does like the, <laughs> it the really does talk, talk about it's very much like life stuff and there is a character who has a bad stomach and a bad like digestive system yeah um which is a plot point uh so the movie we're talking today is uh the one i picked last two weeks last fortnight ago um and that is mikey and nikki um which is directed and written by elaine may uh i believe edited by elaine may uh or or there's two editors listed john carter and sheldon khan but basically it was held hostage by elaine may until it got edited the way that she wanted it to be which you know good on you yeah stand strong creators that's you know the the it's it's funny like when i i was the bit of research i had done on this movie like prior to the show starting and prior to us, you know, picking it, I had, I had read that and it reminded me of the movie Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid directed by Sam Peckinpah. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, who, I think the the action, I've, now this is reaching in further into my mind, so I might be wrong here, but I, if I remember correctly, I saw this documentary called uh, uh, The Z Channel, A Magnificent Obsession. And there's a story about Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid where uh, Sam Peckinpah told someone to go out to this house in the middle of nowhere and ask for the racket club. And what they got were like film reel canisters of the director's cut of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid because Sam Peckinpah didn't want the studio to get their hands on it. And this seems very much like that. And uh, it, it, it automatically made me like super interested in who Elaine May is. Mm-hmm. And then I learned who she is and I'm still fascinated by it. Yeah, Elaine May is someone like before we thought, thought this podcast up, I was watching um, Patrick H. Willems and his video essays on movies. And he was talking about just dick tracy that was the one video i was watching he was talking about dick tracy it's the warren Beatty written directed starred in a movie right and he was talking about the career of warren Beatty in general and he was talking about the movie let me look it up real fast because ishtar be ishtar yes that one and how that one was basically the death nail on elaine may's like directing career for the longest time and even acting career and how Elaine May had hit after hit after hit kind of and then ishtar happened and then everything imploded and the same thing with warren Beatty. And I was yeah. like, so when I heard, like, when I was picking this movie, because I just wanted to watch it because I liked Peter Falk a lot and it looked really cool. Um, when I heard, like, Elaine May, I'm like, wait a second. That's that's the Ishtar lady. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, see, you and I, you and I came at this from the opposite direction. So I'm like, okay, who's Elaine May? Yeah. And then, you know, I, I read the stuff about her and Mike Nichols doing improv and, and then I looked at things she had <clears throat> edited and or things she had written and acted in and directed. And then I saw Ishtar. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that, that's like notably a horrible movie. Yeah. And then I, and then, you know, that led me down the rabbit hole of like, is Ishtar one of those movies that's actually bad or is it just like overlooked from its time? Well, I haven't watched it, so I can't yeah. really comment, but a lot of people say it is actually bad. Um, well, see, the thing because I, I heard it like, it's not like as bad as people make it out to be. Like it is competent enough, but it's not great. Right. And like when they say it, when they say like, like, you look at a movie like like Ishtar. I think I think the real problem with it was it cost a lot of money. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I might I might be wrong there. And it made no money. And it made no money. So like that makes it that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It just makes it a flop. Yeah, and but I kind of think like quality of director too, like or an actor in it too. Like you mm-hmm. see who's in it, you're like you expect some level of something, and then you don't get that back. You automatically think this is a bad thing sometimes. Right, and. Uh, <clears throat> And, you know, eventually I will go back and watch that movie and, you know, judge for myself. But um, I think it's interesting when uh, they say, when they do the whole, this film is bad with almost a a complete lack of understanding and what a bad film is. Yeah. Uh, Just because I've seen some bad ones and I've made some bad ones, but we're not going to talk about them. Yeah. but no, but like, and that, and the thing is that she ended up, you know, writing the English ad- adaptation of the Birdcage. Mm-hmm. And I think she got, you know, she got some sort of either nomination or award for primary colors, which I thought was, and, and both of those films are directed by her former partner, mm-hmm. Mike Nichols. So clearly, like you know we get by with a little help from our friends and and just because you you are handed the reins and don't deliver on expectations doesn't mean you're not capable of good work yeah so so, uh but yeah uh so what do you want how do you want to start with mikey and nikki do you want to go through credits or do you want to Um. get right to it I kind of want to just get into it and then we kind of talk about credits as we're going through it and what kind of okay. feels right. The problem with Mikey and Nikki, I feel like as like with um, the Phantom or that thing you do, we can talk about plot pretty linearly and it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Even if I just kind of talked about the plot of Mikey and Nikki, it doesn't capture anything that was spectacular. I think about this movie because the plot itself isn't really something special. It's the it it's Peter Falk and um and uh sorry, John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes like conversations. It, it <coughs> it's it's their interactions. It's Peter Falk and Ned uh Ned Be- Betty's interactions with like the the mob and, and like and how they're interacting with each other. The plot's not interesting. Uh, the 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 main dr- focus and drive of the movie or not the main focus, but the main drive of the movie isn't interesting. It's the focus which is a these two friends um and so instead of really discussing plot beats at all and kind of jumping off those i kind of just want to talk about the characters mikey and nikki 
uh, and kind of dive into um, really for me is like how Elaine May directed these conversations um, and wrote the conversations in a lot of ways. And I I think, I I guess the best way to do it is to now start with the actors. So which actor do you want to start with? Um, So I feel like, I want to start with John Cassavetes just because yeah. just because we could talk about Peter Falk and we could say we could say three things. We could say Columbo, we could say Princess Bride, and we can say um, Wings of Desire. Yeah. Like now I've not dug into Peter Falk's filmography to any degree, really, but those are like the three touchstones. Mm-hmm that I knew prior to Mikey and Nikki. Yeah. Uh, but with John Cassavetes, like this is a towering figure in the history of film. Um, now I've not, this is the only film of his that I, that I've seen. Same here. With him acting in it. Like I've seen a couple of his directorial roles where he did not, where he did not act. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording Woman Under the Influence, which I think Jenna Rollins, his wife, got an Oscar for. And yeah. it's it's one of the it's one of the greatest performances I've I can even immediately think of, uh, male or female. <laughs> um, uh, it is one of the it's the way that he directed that film in particular. It was a character that I think all of us kind of know. And in, you know, my experience, you know, growing older, it's kind of a character that all of us are at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of weird ways. Um, Now, do we all have that character's specific experience? No, but that's sort of the beauty of film. You can kind of, you can kind of bring your experiences and see and draw comparisons and, kind of you can almost get guidance in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I, why I love that particular film um but with with Mikey and Nikki what I what I really found is the things that I had heard about Cassavetes as an actor where he was kind of held to a similar regard to like James Dean mm-hmm. and uh Marlon Brando in terms of like using the method and I, I put air quotes around that just because I don't know, I don't really know what it is because I, and that's my fault because I've not done the, I've not looked into that, but usually when people say, Oh, he's method. Well, in 2021 standards, it's kind of like, you're kind of, kind of shade. you're kind of throwing shade at somebody like yeah. oh, look, look look at you being method over there or whatever i, I think the biggest thing too in this movie and i guess like the, so the, the basic premise here's the basic premise is the, what the whole movie revolves around is john cassavetes plays nikki who uh basically did uh uh, uh really a not great uh, not a great <laughs> job uh, of robbing a bookie and killing a bookie for the mo- that that the, that he works for basically like the mob owns and he works with the mob so they know who did it um and the guy he worked with is dead and so he thinks someone is going to come after him now um and it's then peter falk playing mikey saying like hey i'll take care of you no one's going to kill you i'm going to watch you and it's them spending basically one night uh make trying trying to protect nikki kind of 
there's more of a spoiler <laughs> things but honestly i don't want to spoil some stuff um just because i feel like this movie so like the, the other the first movies we've covered are not as special i feel like as this one is when it comes to spoilers no no 100 100 um, um and so my my thing is though while well, watching so, so we watch we both watch this on criterion i watched some of the special features on it because i had other actors and directors and stuff talking about the movie and i was really curious what those people thought and one of them was Patton oswald talking about it and the thing that Patton Oswalt pointed out, because I wouldn't know this because I don't know anything about John Cassavetes, is John Cassavetes was known as like the Hollywood like hot person. <laughs> like he was like so attractive and everybody wanted to be around him and be with him that Elaine May making him look so disgusting um, in this movie. So like just like stressed out just ragged is all like he has his whole the premise like he has like a stomach ulcer that like got aggravated during like like not actually but like in the movie the character has like a stomach ulcer it's aggravated he hasn't slept he smokes a bunch he Mm -hmm. drinks a bunch like he looks rough and yeah also was like to do that to john cassavetes to make him look like that and make him almost look unrecognizable by doing that is something that no one else had ever done <laughs> and i think that's super that's super important to like what this movie does because like with peter folk's character too i've i've been watching colombo slowly so this is where i mostly i'm getting this from but i've also seen princess bride um he has like he plays kind of the same role and everything but it's so charming that you don't think about it where it's yeah. the guy who let knows more than he lets on mostly um in this it starts like that the first few scenes of peter falk and john cassavetes together He's helping him. He's like calming him down. He's giving him an acid tablets. He's like, he's like doing all these things like a good friend will do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, it's Peter Falk just being charming. And then he goes to get him some cream for from the coffee shop. And the coffee shop will not let him get the creamer. So he's like, I'll buy like 15 coffees if you just give me the creamer. And as the guy's doing it, he jumps across the counter. He almost beats the guy to death yep. and grabs the creamer. And I'm like, who is this man? Who's Don't fuck man? with Columbo, man. Don't fuck yeah. with Columbo. Like, who, who is Peter Falk now all of a sudden? And like his his the way that he she gets him to switch moods so quickly um is kind of awe-inspiring from watching Peter Falk. Because John Cassavetes doesn't really switch moods that much. He's always kind of bumbling and kind of just being uh, a jerk the whole time. Well, yeah. Peter Falk will literally go from the nicest guy having a good time to either being super paranoid or the meanest person in the room, like just on a dime. And it's, that's just, it's really just bonkers to me. Well, I think in, on that note, like, especially with Cassavetes, uh, with his appearance, he's definitely, through the opening shots of the film, he's the the 100% picture of paranoia. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he's been up too long. He's, he's probably had uh, a bunch of uppers um he's probably smoked three cartons of cigarettes too many and he's definitely the he's definitely like i don't really know i don't really know the term but like he's he's there's not a whole lot right with him and you get you get this mode from Mm -hmm. cassavetes multiple times through this film for different reasons and it's, it's almost like, you know, I found myself thinking, you know, especially at the beginning, uh, I, well, I found this after finishing the movie. Um, 
it was almost like prayer is the last refuge of the scoundrel mm-hmm. and him calling Mikey is his prayer. Like, <clears throat> because he, he knows that Mikey will show up. Yeah. And I think, uh, from, for me, another thing I was, while I was watching it is I was thinking about who's in power throughout while I was watching the movie, like, because when you have characters like the these two, and then even the the assassin who you kind of follow every once in a while, it's the movie really focuses only on two two sometimes three characters. And while you're having a movie about conversations, I feel like it comes to dialogue: is who's ha- who has the power in these conversations? Who's leading? Who's following? Who's directing? Who's like who's performing? And it's really fascinating to see the start of the movie where it feels like peter falk as mikey has the power and he has the power until they go to that first bar and then you see nikki kind of steal the power away from him a bit saying let's go see a movie or mm-hmm. um uh, or let's go see i want to see this girl and in mikey's mikey's like no 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 let's stay here let's calm down we'll we'll take a train we'll do something later but right now let's just and like you see that that struggle of power and then the power shifts the nikki and it's then it's with nikki for the rest of the movie until the the, the third ish act i think the, i think it's more of the second half of the third act yeah. um where everything kind of <laughs> being thrown to the wind where neither one of them has power anymore right and um, when when and when neither one of them has power you get to see what happens with both of them where they find refuge and where they go for yeah and and um and i and this is the part where i where i say i wish we could talk more about that because some of that while uh like when I, I i was watching this with reba and and she she bowed out halfway through and mm-hmm. she just wasn't into it fine say thing about that <laughs> um but like when you see all of this happening and it's it's not so much there um so in my history watching movies mm-hmm there are there are two types of things that seem to happen or two types of of reactions that come from me mm. for from towards a movie one is i am i am receiving this story and either enjoying it or not enjoying it yeah that's one the other one is i am being given plot points and there and then my interaction with it is putting the pieces together and that all that sometimes that can be as gimmicky as a movie like memento where mm-hmm. you have to sort of piece everything together in your head as you're watching it or um like the movie knives out where you have to kind of have to watch all these characters going in and out or like most of the mid-70s catalog of robert altman where the inse- the ensemble is huge and everybody has agency and you kind of have to just follow these weaving points but what i loved about this is your hand you're being handed all of this and it's not just what these two guys are saying to each other or what multiple characters on screen are saying to each other it's i mean i hate to sound like that asshole who says jazz is about the music they don't play but it kind of feels like that. It's everything that's sort of behind everything. Like you were saying, you know, yeah. every conversation is about, it's not necessarily about 
what they're talking about, it's about who's in power. And a lot of times, especially in like, in modern uh, like prestige television, you know, the person who's in power is clearly delineated. Yeah. It's and, it, and it's clear where the momentum of this car, it's clear who's driving. And what I loved about this movie is you see, you, I get a P, I get a Peter Falk performance that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I've never watched John Cassavetes act. So I'm getting, so I'm seeing two people that I didn't know were this good at what yeah. they do. And it's riveting the entire time. And th- this could be just them just having, uh, doing the, the small talk in the first bar or, um, or, the the tensions in the in the in the second bar where love train is playing yeah or the tensions with the girl they meet or the tensions with you know cassavetti's choices later on in the film and then peter falk's choices later on in the film and even when uh when and this is my favorite thing uh, maybe not my favorite thing, but it's like my favorite thing right now this second because I'm thinking about it. But the the hitman, who's uh, who we find out is after Cassavetti's character, it's Ned Beatty. Yep. Now Ned Beatty is he's one of those actors that I'm always happy to see, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because you look at Ned Beatty, just a picture of Ned Beatty, and he looks like. He looks like that fun uncle at the family reunion. Still does, and and yeah, like he's he's just like oh this guy's gonna this guy's gonna tell you a funny story. Uh, he'll 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 engage in some activity with you, and you'll just have a, you'll just have a ball at the family at the family reunion or at the family gathering. Or he's he's that that distant relative you don't see very often, but you're always happy to see when you do. And like this dude has had. A stellar career like he's retired now and my man Beatty has earned his retirement because you know you look at you look at what he's been in he's been in deliverance he's been in the last american hero he was in my favorite robert altman movie nashville uh, he was in all the president's men he was in easily one of my five favorite sydney lament movies network uh <clears throat> 166 credited roles yeah, like I mean, he, he was he was Lex Luthor's bumbling sidekick in Superman one and two for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, he was he he did a lot of I think he did a lot of uh, second fiddle to Burt Reynolds' work in the in the eighties, if I remember correctly. He played opposite Walter Matthau and Hopscotch. Like this guy has a solid category that is it that is. It's, it's just got some range. Yeah. But here, he's he's a hitman that's basically the personality of an accountant. Yeah. And in a way, even though he's kind of bumbling with how he kind of, like, this is a, a little bit problem. He gets lost a lot trying to figure oh, out where God. he needs to go. Because oh, he doesn't man. know the city. Um, he's scary, though, when he, like, there's a few times where his intent to kill is felt. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if he's actually about to pull the trigger on someone, and it's it's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just like no, don't, don't don't. I mean, you know, don't mess with the money man. Apparently, yeah. But also, like the way that he the way that he talks, 
I think the way that he talks, like specifically when uh, in the second half of the movie, I'll try and avoid talking. Yeah, no I'll try and avoid talking about who he's speaking with. But it was it's very reminiscent of, and, and this is probably a stretch, but it, it was very reminiscent of like the early scenes in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, where uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson are two hitmen, but they're not talking about they're not talking about work. They are two people at work talking about their personal lives. Like if you were if you and I were coworkers, I'm pretty sure that's how we'd do it. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't use you know as much flamboyant slang. We'd probably sound a lot more like this Ned Beatty character, and that's like striking in a in a lot of ways for me because that baby every every time he delivers a line he's relatively calm but like you said he shows his intent to he shows his intent a couple of times you're like oh no who's he gonna do this to yeah (laughs) and uh um and so to kind of go back to the the main focus is the conversations between uh mikey and nikki is they're really reflect it, it it's the first not the first time because i've seen it since like i've seen it in movies that come has come after this but oh, yeah. i'm curious how early on in this in this film like the history of film that this movie came out that the idea of mirror characters kind of existed where your two leads are mirrors of each other and the further along you go and when you get to the end with um like this is less this is less of a spoiler, just more like this conversation happens. When um uh when Mickey is talking or when uh, Mikey's talking to his wife and you come and you as a viewer and him as a, a character come to the realization of a few things that came to light during conversations with Nikki, um how how much they are opposites of each other and if they would just shut up <laughs> and listen yeah. to each other honestly which they do once they do only like once and that's um when they go to a graveyard um if they just shut up and listen to each other and really took it to heart they would realize how much each other needed each other and mm-hmm. how much that their um their 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 self their sense of self pushes them away um and i think that this is a movie that any, anybody who wants to write good dialogue, anybody who wants to write like a uh, dialogue that feels kind of natural, because this movie isn't natural in the way they talk, but if we want to feel authentic still though, I feel like this is a good movie to examine like the writing of it all. 100%. Um, yeah, this, 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 I love this movie <laughs> like, yeah. a lot. I, 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 I was, I was watching. I was like, man, I hope, I hope Matthew's in into this. <laughs> like, it was, it was one of those things that I think, honestly, I wasn't ready for this film after the Phantom. Yeah, but we definitely took a turn. Yeah, like it, I'm, it was, it was one of those things. Like, okay, I'm, it, I'm, I am into this in a in a way that, and I think it, it's honestly, it's because. I've not spent a whole ton of time in recent years digging into the Criterion Collection like I used to when mm-hmm. I was watching films more. And this is this is the one that's just like, you know what? I need to I need to devote way more time to 
to this channel than I have been because no, no matter what, even if I don't get something I love as much as Mikey and Mickey, or I don't get, or I don't get, you know, seeing Rashomon for the first time again. I don't get to see, you know, you know, uh, any of the Ing Ingmar Bergman movies I've seen for the first time again. The interactions that I have with the Criterion films in general are, even if I patently just don't like the movie, the journey towards that is is way more interesting mm -hmm. than and it, or it's it, or it's a type of interesting that I just haven't had in my life in, in a while and I and I'm glad I'm glad to be back so thank you Jesse this is all your fault <laughs> I'm, I'm glad <laughs> uh, but this, this man this movie like I think we were talking about that thing you do when I said it's not like some lost influential gem. Uh, Mikey and Nikki is definitely a lost influential gem. Yeah, like, I think this, so. Like, I, I agree. This should be, this, there are aspects of this movie that should be taught all over. Like, And honestly, I was watching this and I'm like, man, I wonder if the the Safdie brothers, like whole, whole, whole persona is based off this movie. Um, and then I looked at the, the people who are interviewed and the first interview is the Safdie brothers. And I go, okay, I'm watching this. And I click it. And yeah, like this movie, if you've seen Uncut Gems or if you've seen Good Time, like then watch this movie. Like that's it. Like this is that movie that started it. This is a movie yeah. that the reason those movies exist is because of this. There's no, I cannot think of other movies, at least that I've seen. Um, mm -hmm. but, and again, I haven't seen everything. I haven't seen a lot. So, sure. <laughs> um, but this is a movie that those movies wouldn't exist if this one did it first because the way care the way, at least in good time robert Pattinson's character interacts with um his brother that's this movie um and in yeah. in the way that life is kind of unhinged and uncut gems is also this movie um the thing that i think people need to do more of that this movie does is how conversations are kind of filmed where either it's on the characters or it's not um, there's a lot of times where the conversation is happening and the film is not focused on the characters. What you're mm -hmm. watching is not the characters. You're watching things around the characters, but you're listening to them talk to each other. And I think what that makes, what the, what, what's, what is doing is just trying to get you to refocus in, in an interesting way. Um, or some people might get distracted by that. I think if you're just watching two characters talk to each other, not only do, do you, you could get bored if you're one of those type of people, but your brain, I think, automatically gets bored of that kind of just kind of still shot or even, even if it's a still shot, just that kind of focus on two people talking to each other. So by doing establishing shots during a conversation, I think she does a really great job of keeping your brain preoccupied with visuals so you can keep listening and understanding and digesting. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and then like I also speaking of establishing shots like during conversations, there are a, a, I I know there's at least one. <clears throat> um, I think there's probably two, up to two more, where you see the conversation happening 
in the background mm -hmm. and that's and that's that's where the sound is focused on but in the foreground you see sort of the aftermath of a situation that just occurred yeah mm -hmm. and and while the refocusing it, 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 it what i i just like that um it's almost like um it's almost like Elaine May, the, the director, is going, hey, I don't want you as the audience to forget about what just happened here. Yeah. And what just happened here should should be like, like, yo, someone needs to <laughs> someone needs to think this. Why isn't anybody talking about this? And and that's and yeah, Elaine May directed this thing perfectly. Holy shit. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and I think we should kind of bring up like how hard it was for her to get it the way she wanted it. Um, I understand that, <laughs> that the, from my understanding, the studio just didn't like her and didn't sure. like um, the way she was editing the film. They thought it was too chaotic, which the movie is about chaos. The movie is about yeah. sometimes peace within the chaos, but it's always about chaos. There's chaos happening everywhere in this movie. Um and it's it's hard to watch at times it's very dark there's one scene that's so dark that i it look like actual dark because it's dark in the scene the lights are off but also mm -hmm. like what's happening is really dark um yeah. and knowing that she had to basically hide the film around town yeah. as we talked about earlier like she was hiding different reels around town so they couldn't edit it until they mm -hmm. gave her full carte blanche to do whatever she wanted with it is something that <laughs> wouldn't happen today uh but also just like impressive stick to your gunsness for someone who has such a less standing in hollywood like as a woman and as an actor turned director it feels like she had the world against her to make movies uh until she could prove herself um and i think this movie helped like prove her to be able to make whatever she wanted after this yeah and and for doing all of that elaine may respect yeah um i don't have much more thoughts on the movie because we basically touched upon everything um i think my favorite like if we could pick favorite things out of the movie i just love that stuff that gets set up at the beginning pays off in the ways that you don't expect it near the end and, and this is a movie not about action there is action in it but there's not a movie about action it's a movie about dialogue so mm -hmm. the dialogue in the beginning comes back at the end and it's just so fascinating to watch it all kind of fall back into place yeah definitely um one of the i think while you were talking, I had a clear thought, and now uh -huh. that I'm talking, it's gone. It so, <laughs> uh, I think one of the, one of the things I, I definitely love about this movie is it's a really interesting portrait of how childish adults can be. Yes. Uh, it's also a very interesting portrait of how um, it's really interesting. Well, I think I feel like over the course of this film, we see an entire friendship in Mikey yeah. and Nikki in microcosm. Also, we see a lot of toxic masculinity. Oh yeah, this is a this is an actually pretty pretty interesting portrait of it. Uh, in a lot and, of ways. And an interesting challenge of it because I, I could be mistaken because uh, it has now been two weeks since I've watched the movie um, 
But I feel like there's a scene where <laughs> where Nikki says something pretty gross, and Mikey goes, "Come on, man! Like we sh- we're better than that. We don't have to say yeah. these things." And yeah. I was like, "Huh? This is seventy what? 76? 76. Yeah. 76. I was like, "Huh? That's that's fascinating." <laughs> yeah. Funny how far we've not traveled. Yeah. Um. But also, this is. <clears throat> in a lot of, in a, especially some of the smaller vignettes, you see, um, you see reckless burning of bridges and frantic attempts to repair bridges uh, and ultimately you see two people that can't that have the most trouble coming to grips with it almost seems like they have a weird amount of trouble coming to grips with their feelings for each other yeah is that i I feel like because i because you could almost you could almost make the argument from frame well i won't i won't say frame one because they're both not in frame one yeah I can't, you could almost make a, make the argument that, you know, Peter Falk shows up to be on Nick, on Nikki's call as just a hollow gesture. Yeah. And you, you see it then regardless of how it pays off. Like it, it just feels like, Oh, well, he's going, whatever. I'll bring him, I'll bring him some heartburn medicine, put him down for the night and I'll be home. And and even then, like Nikki is also seemingly completely filled with contempt for Mikey. And like you said, not none of them address it. Mm-hmm. None of them, neither of them talk about it. Uh, and it's clear that these two supposedly tough gangsters kind of just little boys that never grew up. No, 100%. And they and they <laughs> and they dance around it so much in a few scenes too. Um another thing that popped in my head while I was thinking about this is how much this movie decided not to be a Hollywood movie. Not just oh, because yeah. uh, not just because of how grimy it is, but the opening tile cards, nothing. There's no music. It's just <laughs> names flashing by like not even flashing by. They're just yeah. on and then they take they come off and then they're on and they come off like one by one. And yeah. then the movie has a hard cut at the end and it just rolling credits. And the song is not very like like I don't remember the song. That's how much I just don't think about it because it was such it wasn't trying to like be rememberable memorable. It was just like you've just experienced two people's lives for a night. That's all you get from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got these two people's lives might drop may out yeah um and and yeah this is uh so i guess i feel like this is probably the first film that you and i've talked about where, where we would say this is kind of like you need to go see this yeah you like need you, to, if, you, need, you need to find a way to watch and you don't this. need you don't even need criterion <clears throat> if you have hbo max which was probably more common than criterion it's on hbo oh, max for sure. currently like For just sure. just pop it on it's a it's a brisk hour 45 like 
Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's one third of, a, of the Snyder Cut. You've got yeah. time. It's shorter than most Marvel movies now. Yeah. So, like, you're uh-huh. good. You're having a great time. Yeah. Which also, shout out to short movies that are able to tell a full story. Oh, man. And and it doesn't feel like there's wasted space ever. No, like, yeah. It's, no... Like, it's like, I was looking at the time, and I'm like, there's 10 minutes left. I mean, I could see how it could finish in 10 minutes, but I, gosh, there's only 10 minutes left. Yeah, it's just like, wait, well, I, I kind of want more. Yeah. But cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, we're both, both on board saying, watch this. Uh, we, I don't, I think if we dived any further, we would get straight into spoilers. Oh, when I, um, there are so many things I want to say that just straight up spoil plot points. And yeah. I, and... Um, which we might talk about after we're recording for just a bit, but, um, so the next thing I kind of want to talk about is like, what have you been enjoying lately? Well, uh, as opposed to my normal, uh, I've just been watching anime. I've also watched a few films. Okay, okay. Um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, uh, we were in the mountains and we were with family. But on the final night, we act- or the final day, the Sunday, we kind of had a movie marathon of okay. sorts. Uh, it began with The Goonies. Okay. Which is, have you seen that movie? I, I have seen The Goonies, yeah. Okay. okay I was good. watching um, Fast uh, Fast Five with my dad, and um, there's a scene where they do bathroom explosions. Um, and I'm like, hey, you remember The Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, we watched that, but then we ended up watching Back to the Future. There you go. One, that's, a good, that's, one, that's how you do that. And two. Which is funny, because I think three is a better movie than two, but we won't have to get into that right now. I, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong um, for a, a few reasons. But uh, then later on in the evening, we ended up watching Mystic River. That is a, that is a weird juxtaposition. That is, that is a hard turn. I still haven't seen that yet, but I plan on watching it sometime, sometime soon. When I, I, I saw it in theaters, and then I, I did get the DVD, and when I watched it, the last time I watched it was probably 2007. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, ah, I don't know if this is that good. Uh, but, you know, life passing and, you know, fast forwarding to 2021 where I watch it. I'm like, man, there's a whole lot here. Uh, but also it's kind of a, all cops are bastards. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and- have you ever seen the, the movie Copland? No, that is a movie directed by James Manigold, who I uh, is the person I watched only one movie by this week. Um, and it's written and directed by him. It's the man who did Logan, if that helps. Okay. Um, and that is a movie where the premise of it is Stallone is the, the only sheriff in a town that's that that only populate the only population is cops. Like they are basically. They're, I want to say they're New York cops, maybe it's New Jersey cops who just live in this town out like like only like 10, 15 minutes outside of New Jersey. And so they live in the town, but they police New Jersey and Stallone is the only sheriff of that town. So and he's the only sheriff in the land of cops. Yeah, so that's why it's called Copland. And right. I think you would find that so fascinating to watch what that movie actually is about. I mean, I... 
based on what you've told me, I'm like, wow, I bet you there's some fascist overtones here. There's there's some there's, there's some dirty cops going on. Oh man, you kidding? Yeah. Uh, no, I've not I've not seen Copland. Um, I should read you the cast just to get you more like interested I, in it. Real, fast. I will. I, I mean, ba- you might as well because based on what you told me, don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> here, here's your cast. Here's your here's your your top your top build cast. We got Sly. You got Celestia <laughs> Stallone, Harvey Keitel. Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro. Jesus Christ. Of course it's full of bad cops. <laughs> it's basically it's basically bad lieutenant and good fellas that are being sheriffed by Rocky. Yep. <laughs> Come on. And you also have supporting cast of Gene Garofalo, Robert Patrick, Michael Rappaport. Of course. So, yeah. I, I probably should have guessed Michael Rappaport was in it. Um, okay, maybe I'll watch it at some point. Maybe, Just saying, maybe. it's on Showtime. If you have Showtime, I recommend. Maybe, maybe it, you could. Maybe if it ends up in our little bank of movies here, that will end up rolling dice for it. Just do cop cop month. No, <laughs> no. We watched The Departed in Copland. God no. <laughs> um, but uh, the last thing I watched, I actually watched this earlier today. Uh, I watched Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I haven't heard of that one. Um, it's a Russ Meyer movie. If you know anything about Russ Meyer, he liked he liked to put a lot of boobs in, in his in his movies. Like, it, I mean, he probably him and Roger Corman are probably the ultimate B movie makers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, probably him, Roger Corman, and John Waters. And uh, I'd never seen it. I I, I know that it was uh, written or screenplay was written by the late great Roger Ebert. And uh, I'd always wanted to watch it, and now I've seen it. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, uh, other than the fact that I can check that off the list. That's fair. Um... Other than that, I've convinced my wife to watch more Gundam which is always great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I st- I did watch the first episode of Demon Slayer. And were you sad? Uh, honestly, I started watching it tired and oh. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, that, that first episode is slow, but it's very, it's very impactful. I remember watching, uh, so I, uh, th- this, is a, this is a short story. I ended up watching that first episode like four times when it first came out. I believe it. I watched it by myself. And I was watching anime with friends, but they don't listen to my recommendations ever. So I have to like come over there and like sit them down. It's like, we're watching the first episode of this. Um, and so I'm like, you guys, you need to watch a Demon Slayer. I'm like, that ah, looks dumb. <laughs> and so I sat them down <laughs> and I made them watch the first episode, but two of my friends just didn't care. And they were on their computers playing like League or something. Right. And so I watched it with them. And the one of them was like kind of watching on their computer, like, oh, we should rewatch that right now. That looks actually interesting. So we rewatched it again. And then one other one of their fiancés came on and was like, hey, we gotta rewatch this. I'm like, I've awesome. seen this four times now. Awesome. In like the span of two days. I just like that. I just like that on some level, the final watch was you just sort of mouthing all the dialogue. Yeah, kind of. I was like, and this happens now, and this happens now. Um, no, Demon's Eye oh. is a very, very good show. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I will probably watch the first episode again. <laughs> I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll need to watch it another three times, but we'll see. Uh, but it reminded me, like watching it in the state that I was watching it, it reminded me of watching uh, another f- anime that I had binged earlier this year called Record of Lodos War. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to equate the two, but, uh, record of Lodos war had a really slow and it, it had, a, you, you know what it started like Mikey and Nikki did where you're kind of in the mid, you're in the middle of something. You don't really know what, and they don't really clue you into who everybody is. Yeah. And you have to, you're coming in the plates are already spinning so you have to keep them up as well as figure out what they mean so i wasn't ready for that out of an anime yeah um because you know i'm still i'm still i'm still a baby anime fan we'll call it so uh, i watched that a couple of times and then i'm like okay i'm just gonna keep going and see what happens then like three episodes in i'm like okay we are off and running and then i i blazed through to the end of that so and now you gotta play hopefully all the no um although the reason i the reason the reason i was watching it was uh of a review that uh i believe it's on waypoint mm-hmm. written by the great dia lucina uh okay. because uh, i think it's called deedlet um i don't remember the, like it's deedlet in something i don't remember the <coughs> i don't remember the full title but uh she said it's basically the record of lodos war metroidvania in name only but i'm like and then i think in the first couple sentences she said it's based on a landmark anime i'm like okay i need another anime to watch yeah that's not that's not giant robot focused so let's go um the only movie like of note that i watched because i've watched stuff that I've, i've talked about before but um the only thing of note that i watched was i was talking to a friend during i was talking to my d my uh dm it was my friend uh, during D and D. We were talking about how I've been watch- rewatching. There are no the- DM friends. I was rewatching all the Fast and Furious movies with my dad, and he goes, "You're watching all these Fast and Furious movies, but you won't watch Ford versus Ferrari." I'm like, "I started it. I was just busy, and I couldn't finish it." And so I'm like, "I, mean, I told him the deal. I was like, I'll go home tonight after D and D, and I will watch the rest of Ford versus Ferrari." So that's what I did. Stayed up till like one a.m. watching it because it's a longer movie. Um, and that movie is one. It's fantastic. You should you should watch it if you haven't. I I actually I, I I there was a there was a racing movie I watched earlier this year, um, but it it was older. I don't. I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to remember what it was. I just yeah. I can't. I think I wanted. It was in the vein of Le Mans, but it's yeah. not Le Mans. Um, but yeah, and then that came up, and I'm like, I should watch that. Yeah, I, re- I recommend it. But the thing is, I, I I was picking up on it is James Mangold who did Logan, and if you've seen Logan, you kind of know Logan's a really weird superhero movie in a lot of ways. And in the same way that Logan's a weird superhero movie, if, um, Ford versus Ferrari is a weird, not blockbuster, but like weird big movie where it feels like an American classic, even though it came out two years ago. Right, and and I think it's just because of the sensibilities of Manigold. Because uh, talking about Copland, Copland feels like a, a classic movie, and it is older now. It's in, it was made in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, where the, Ford versus Ferrari feels like it could have been made anywhere between like seventy five to eighty eighty six, and like it would fit in that era of okay. classic American films, right? Right, but it's so it's so modern though because of, like of all the actors and stuff in it, and but the way it's plotted, the way it's paced, the way it's sound designed, the way it's shot, the way it's edited, it all feels like a warm hug <laughs> when if you love film, like that's what it just feels like it feels like a warm hug in film. Um, 
and Logan for being such a dark movie I remember it feeling like that like this feels like a film like it feels like someone took the source material of superhero movies and he also directed the Wolverine which is not like this I think the Wolverine is like far lesser than Logan but Logan feels like a film that has grit and grime to it that most superhero movies don't get um that like that I get the feeling from uh the Batman trailer the Matt Reeves Batman trailer um I get that same feeling of grit and grime from that and so I was like I was watching this I'm like this is the man who's directing the new Indiana Jones movie (laughs) and I go and the bad guy of the new Indiana Jones movie is Mads Mikkelsen wow and uh um and uh gosh who's the actress who made Fleabag um Oh crap, I'm never gonna remember. You know who I'm talking about though, right? I know who you're talking about. She's also in it. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, is Indiana Jones five gonna be really good? (laughs) Like, like my brain's like, is this gonna be the like this is gonna feel like a serial film like it's supposed to? Like like everything feels like that movie has everything going for it, other than Harrison Ford being so old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which even then, Uh, I think Harrison Ford, if given the right push in the right direction is fantastic still because Blade Runner 2049 he's really good in mm-hmm. so yeah. like I have high hopes for Indiana Jones 5 I don't, I don't think I should but I do yeah no that's that's fair I mean I'm always worried like what what, are, what were your thoughts on Crystal Skull real quick uh, I haven't seen it since it came out so I can't tell you modern thoughts but I can tell you my thoughts of the movie itself was fine. The issue is how it was filmed. And we can all agree that Spielberg, when he forgets <laughs> to actually film real film, is not as good as Spielberg who remembers to film real film. <laughs> right. I remember yeah. seeing like trailer I see uh, seeing trailers to Ready Player One. I'm like, that movie looks not like fun. It doesn't look like fun to me. Um because it is so, it, he doesn't know how to film fake well, it feels like. The only movie I remember him filming fake very well is uh, Minority Report. Yeah. Like, that future still feels really good. I watched it this, this last year, and it holds up still extremely well. I just found the racing movie I was talking about. Which one? Um, it's, uh, it's Grand Prix. Okay. It has James Carner, Eve Marie Saint, Eve Montan, Toshiro Mifuni's in it, <laughs> Brian Redford, Jessica Walter, Antonio Sabato, and Francois Hardy. Yeah, it's it, it's one it's 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 one of those movies uh, that I when watching it, I was like, I get about halfway there. I'm like, why am I still watching? Why is this movie still going? And then like it just turns a corner, and I'm yeah, like, I've had this. And then literally it's that straight away to the finish line. Part yeah. of the but yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. It's, I was paying attention, but like, I was also focused on finding that before the show. Oh, that's fine. You, you saved me from talking more about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull movie that I hardly remember. Yeah. I remember coming out of it being, I, I think I, I, I came out of it the same way I came out of uh, the last Jedi. Yeah, that's fair. Where I was like, that one bad. I mean, I won't fight you because I think Last Jedi is the best out of that trilogy. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen. The, I haven't seen the. I haven't seen the final one. Hey, you don't have um, to. I've just heard. Just, just pretend the Last Jedi is the last movie. Um, but, uh, no, you should watch the last one just so we can talk about how you fit 
two uh, uh, one and a half movies into a movie. Um, I don't know. How do you fit? How do you make one book into three movies like The Hobbit? Uh, see that one you stretch. The other one you cram. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like that's that's all I've watched. Um, so in two weeks we're gonna have our first guest. Uh, this is your oh, assignment. Yeah. Is, I'm gonna tell you your movie assignment in the, for the, the next episode, and that is we are having uh, uh, Chris Edgerton on, uh, aka Wheels, to talk with us about Into the Spider Verse, which is not streaming anywhere free or with a subscription, as far as I know. I double checked, but I didn't see anything. Uh, but I mean, you can rent it for like a few bucks. So, sure. like, I don't own it yet, but I'll, I'll just rent it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I have no problem running that movie again. That movie's fucking good. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Um, mm-hmm. And again, if you have any comments about uh, Mikey and Nikki, the Phantom, that thing you do, I know that, again, only uh, that thing you do is out currently when uh, we're recording this. Um, like, we're going to read these comments from whenever you give them to us so yes. here's yeah, where you yeah. can send us your comments about the movies that we've watched and what you think about them on twitter you can find us at free reeling it pod is that right no nope, free reeling free- it oh just free reeling it okay see i'm thinking about the other my other twitter accounts that's okay. um so yeah just at free reeling it or you can just uh, email us at free willing it podcast at gmail.com um again just tell us your thoughts about the movies we're watching. Like you don't have to watch all of them, but if you watched one, what did you think? And I would love to just hear from you guys, whoever's listening. Um, and Same. you can find uh, me at uh, sleeper of the bed on Twitter. If you want to just talk to me and Matthew, where can people find you? If they just want to talk to you at infinite underscore rewind. But before we close out, I want you to promote the other stuff you're doing, Jesse. Oh, I mean, it's not a big deal. I have it is uh, to me. I have a, a comics podcast called Why Comics. You can find all that information at Why Comics Pod on Twitter. And uh, Matthew, if I'm promoting my things, what's your other podcast? Uh, I have two others actually. <laughs> See, I only have one other right now until uh, well, me and Grace decide to do a literature podcast for some reason. Oh, don't tease me, bro. Um, so I, I, I uh, by the time this is up. Uh, you will have gotten at least one full episode, if not two, of a mutual friend of ours, uh, Caroline and I, doing Trivial Merit. That is a podcast where we take, uh, we pick an artist, and in eight songs, we make a playlist to get us from a negative mind state to a positive one, and hopefully bring others along with us. Feel free to feel free to get in touch with us there. It's at Trivial Merit on Twitter. Everything else is there. <clears throat> and then I do uh, co-host a podcast about about video games uh, because my friends and I like talking about them. Uh, but my, uh, my friend Jason, my friend Michaela, and my friend Moose, we get together every week uh, when I'm not sick and talk about games for at least an hour and a half sometimes it goes for way longer lately they've been going shorter so maybe we're getting better i don't know but that's more of just like a we hang out chit chat so no real like no real uh pressure there it's pretty casual and matthew last thing who does our theme song because you know that information better than i do uh our theme song is done by my friend jason he uh, is do he's back in the music thing, and 
while the theme is not available anywhere yet, uh, you can find the album that he was a part of uh, called Black Lightning. The artist is the Hope Street Steppers, and it's one of the best reggae albums I've ever heard. It was originally released in 2013, and I still listen to it probably once every few weeks because the instrumentals, it's all instrumentals uh, except for one of the bonus tracks where it has someone who played with the Scottalites just bopping over it. It's great. Um, yeah, so it's a good ska, good, good, uh, a good ska fusion, a lot of it. Uh, so, so check, check them out. You can find him on Instagram at Deadeye Productions, all one word. And the I is not spelt. It is a lowercase I. I should probably change that because I think I, got, I found the wrong Deadeye Productions on Instagram. Um, I don't know who that is then. Don't worry about it. I'll update it. <laughs> no one will know. I mean, people will know, but they won't know now. Um, uh, and so, thank, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to try a new tagline. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you at the movies. But uh, wear a mask and stay away from me because COVID's still a thing.